Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. So, how are you? John Sheridan, how are you? Yes. Anyway, Wilkes, no. Um, how are you actually first? <laughs> Hamstring. Yeah, so it turns out um, over a decade of lifting really heavy things straight up and down in an increasingly short uh, range of motion, shorter range of motion is probably not good preparation for maximum effort sprinting. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> after doing, after like just a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the guys from the gym was telling me he was going to start playing touch. Um, I said, oh, great, you're going to tear your hamstring. And then two, <laughs> and then two games later, he did. Like he, he was like, it came back after the first one. I was like, man, so proud, didn't tear up my first one. Came back a week later, I tore it on his second one. Like, oh, no. um, so I obviously gave him a significant amount of shit for it because that's who I am as a person. Exactly. And then last week, uh, I was locked in my house because I went to Brisbane for regionals and then had to live the lockdown life for a little while and so one day i took the dog for a walk and did a bit of jogging which is the first time i've done that in like a decade and it was okay like it didn't feel horrendous so i was like oh maybe you go maybe i'll yeah. pursue this the so runner. then two, yeah two days later i um went down to an oval did a bit of warm-up stuff was like i'll just do some like real basic sprint work like i'm not gonna do anything crazy i'm not stupid i'm not gonna tear my hamstring what a dumbass and then i did um, did a bit of warm-up stuff it was like the first a couple of accelerations where i just kind of lent into it and took a couple of quick steps and then stopped and this was the first one where i was like all right i'll like just you know give it a bit put the foot down a little bit and i put the foot down and my hamstring tore so oh. that was dumb uh, did you ever watch the simpsons yeah of course i watched the simpsons you know you know the episode where lisa breaks ralph's heart and um, they're watching it on the replay and they're like you can pinpoint yeah. the exact moment where it, that, that was me watching you tear it while you were sprinting like yeah yeah well that, and that was moment. honestly that was my favorite part about the whole thing was the first reaction was fuck i just tore my hamstring the second one was god at least i got it on video <laughs> <laughs> and then after i went through a, a wave of like really intense nausea immediately afterwards um which was just full on like i hadn't experienced that from an injury before uh I sat down and then waiting for my brother to come pick me up because I couldn't walk all the way home. Uh, I yeah watched it back on video and found the perfect uh, <laughs> shot from the video. So yeah, oh, turns out sucks. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, but I think we all knew that, and hopefully I'll learn from my lesson. But I probably won't. Well, speedy rehab, my friend. Hopefully it uh, clears up quickly. Yeah, it's it's not bad, so I think I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, James, the manager here at the, on the Gold Coast, he tore his hamstring a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, he's he's been running for ages. He did the he did the Gold Coast, um, or he was training for the Gold Coast Marathon, and then uh, COVID had something to say about that, so it was cancelled. Yeah. Uh, then he went back to lifting for a, a month, and then he went for a run, and he tore it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty common. Um, 
as uh, Angus Bradley said on my Instagram reel, uh, there's no Nordic curl variation in the world that was going to prepare my hamstring for the forces <laughs> that I was going to expend. Yeah, put it under on that day. So, you know, here we are. Oh, dear. Yeah, look. It's only the second muscle I've ever torn, and the first one was my calf on the same leg doing a handstand. So yes. uh, I feel like in a couple of decades of athletic sport, to have only torn two muscles and done them doing really dumb things that I probably shouldn't have been doing anyway is um, just, yeah, makes for a good story. Mm. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Well, well done. So in the world of powerlifting... Mm, surprisingly, <laughs> there has been yeah. some drama. Who'd have thought powerlifting, such a simple and otherwise innocuous sport that is now filled once again with drama and you would have never picked that it came from wilkes um i i don't allegedly came from wilkes allegedly came from wilkes. Big needs is a slander suit well i feel like he's been slandered a lot so i don't think he's coming for us all mind you i've probably got no, a bigger I, target I on my head than so. most people um i feel like maybe I, you do i don't i don't i don't actually want to open a, a that bigger dialogue around this i just want to say to everyone like if you are feeling passionately enough to speak openly about this on social media and um such forth just make sure you remember what's actually and so on and just make sure you remember what's actually at the heart of this issue um you know make sure you remember what this is all about make sure you think of the um the other parties involved make sure you think of the people who are reading uh, the sensitive material around, you know, sexual misconduct and um, the kind of PTSD and kind of effect that it may have on them and uh, make sure you're sharing appropriate resources for them to, to seek help if they are disturbed by the material that you're deciding to share. Just, yeah, consider your consider what you're posting before you post it, before, you know, throwing your hat in the ring in this dialogue. Yep, I completely echo and agree with those thoughts. Yes. We also completely echo and agree that Wilkes is a piece of shit. Anyway. Mm, but I feel like we all knew that already. <laughs> or at all least right. we knew that we were on that end of the spectrum. Anyway. Mm. So, you know what's better than powerlifting drama? What's better than powerlifting drama, Thomas? Shaving your balls. It, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. And there is some exciting news down under from our friends at Manscaped who've just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming, have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new Performance Package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. The 20% off is actually pretty significant as well. So the performance package 4.0 includes the lawnmower 4.0, which is the the actual trimmer. Um, You get the weed whacker, which is like an an ear and nose hair trimmer. The crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. A travel bag for your bag? Anyway, get get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Peakspeak at manscaped.com. That's right. Twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Peakspeak at manscaped.com. Your balls have never been through have been through enough this year. <laughs> Treat them with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. Oh, uh, you know what's really great about having shaved balls? <laughs> Drinking <laughs> prison coffee. <laughs> Oh, we're so legit now. We're so sponsored. 
That was probably the smoothest pun definitely intended segue I think we've ever done. But hey, that Um, code peak speak works with our friends at Prism as well. It does. Have you tried the mystery coffee yet? I have. I've actually almost finished the bag. It's really nice. I haven't had it yet. I'm going to try it tomorrow. Yeah, we all got uh, a bag with no label on it, which I initially thought was maybe just a mistake. Because look, so did I, I, love I, the, but we all I love those balls dearly, <laughs> dearly, but maybe, uh, you know, you miss a thing or two in a business of that scale. Sure, I get it. But then Sam posted it and was like, he got one too. So clearly it was a thing. Yeah, I love how neither of us, none of us talk to each other about it. I just saw no, Sam post it too, and I'm like, and then you posted it. I'm like, oh, we all got it. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. now tomorrow when I post it, it'll be like mystery bag. Check yeah, it out. Perfect. Who doesn't love a good old fashioned mystery bag? Exactly. All right. <laughs> Let's keep talking about deadlifts. This is the second deadlift episode continuing yes. on from uh, last week. We'd sort of finished up. Um, you'd mentioned um, in your language, pulling the slack out of the bar. So we were going to talk about that. And we we're going to talk about um, rounded back deadlifts as well. So, the pulling the slack out of the bar thing, which is really going to then segue into just general cueing when it comes to deadlifts, is an interesting one because it's such a common part of people's rhetoric and language when it comes to uh, deadlifting. And it's a cue that can fuck up your deadlift so badly. Mm. Like we need to look at pulling the slack, in my opinion, we need to look at pulling the slack out of the bar as a byproduct of the rest of the system rather than a goal. Uh, because when you set it as the goal, you're going to make accommodations for that goal to be achieved. And what I mean by that is like, if all you care about is pulling the slack out of the bar, whether you think like this or not, it just happens. Everyone goes by scale. And so if pulling the slack out of the bar is good, pulling more slack out of the bar is better. And so people start putting their entire body weight against the bar, ripping their shoulders forward, rounding their thoracic, rounding their back with it, and just ended up in this like horrible candy cane looking deadlift position, falling back against the bar and just hoping that it works as a strategy. And it almost never does. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Where, where, where do you sit? Because I know you don't like to cue, pull the slack out of the bar either. So what, what was your thinking around it? Well, for exactly the same reason, it's a byproduct of what we're trying to do. Uh, the way I think about it is that what we're trying to do, and I think I talked about this analogy last time, the like driving the wet analogy. Is yeah, we're, yeah. We're trying to create tension in a system that doesn't otherwise have any tension in it because it hasn't experienced the eccentric load that you would get through something like a squat or a bench. So we're trying to organize your body without that eccentric load, put it in a position where it can apply force ideally without any significant deviation in position. And the way to do that without experiencing the eccentric loading part of it is to apply that force relatively smoothly. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think sometimes people almost look at this as like, I need to pull slower off the floor. And I, I have had this discussion where sometimes I've described it as slow and said, actually, what I don't want is you to pull slowly. I want you to be able to pull as fast as fucking possible. But you have to be able to do that smoothly because if you can't apply that force in like a, you know, think of it like a volume knob as opposed to a switch, then if you can gradually ramp that volume up, you can continue to apply force and maintain your position, which is going to mean that instead of compromising your shape to get the bar off the floor really quickly Mm. you can hold your shape maybe it does end up being fractionally slower but by the time you get to that uh you know mid-thigh high knee position you're in a much better 
better advantage position to actually finish the movement. Mm. It's, it's just an overall common misconception with deadlifts and especially conventional deadlifts. I think it's probably less common now than it was, say, five years ago. Uh, but a lot of people think that a deadlift is supposed to feel really quick and snappy off the floor and slow down at lockout, where in reality, just like every other lift, from a pure physics perspective, the hardest point should be breaking the floor. The hardest point, because that's where, you know, your joints are, have traveled through the most range at any point in the deadlift. You're yep. like in the deepest point. It's like the equivalent of the bottom of the squat or on the chest on bench. That should be the hardest point. So if you're rocketing off the floor and everything's slowing down, that just says to us that you were never in a good position to begin with or you mm -hmm. lost it immediately. The other thing that comes with the whole pulling slack out of the bar thing is like people will see um, somebody move and... Uh, uh, and move quickly and not be able to distinguish the difference between the body moving and the bar moving. So they'll see a deadlift where the person's moving really fast uh, and just be like, yeah, that's good. Where they haven't got the, you know, as a byproduct, they haven't got tension against the bar. So they're loose in the system and the bar's just yanking them forward and pulling them down. But because their body's moving quickly, it creates this illusion that the deadlift is fast and snappy. And you only start to see the cracks in the system show to the untrained eye when they're lifting really heavy and they fail. Mm. And so if you can't see that early as a lifter or as a coach, it's, it's too late by the time you're lifting heavy weights because you've already reinforced that technique. It's going to be, have to be something that you address, you know, in the next training cycle or something like that. If you can pick up on that earlier, you can correct yourself. Uh, you can save yourself all that drama. The other reason I don't like <clears throat> using the idea of pulling the slack out of the bar is because I think that as a cue and as an idea was largely overemphasized with the move to like specialty deadlift bars. Everyone always talks about this idea that like, oh, if you don't pull the slack out of the bar on a deadlift bar, like, oh, you're not going to get all the advantage out of it. Uh, and that's definitely the case in terms of how you apply force to a whippy deadlift bar when you pull over 350. Like, you'll fucking know the difference if you're not careful. Mm. Um, but for the average punter, the idea is not slack in the bar because that doesn't then transfer over to pulling with, like, a regular power bar, right? The, describing to someone the concept of slack in a bar doesn't work when you can't actually flex the bar in a way that describes it to them visually, right? So instead of thinking about it as, you know, a, an idea that's specific to a deadlift bar or specific to some particular variant of the deadlift, I think that idea of it being a system-wide application of force and and the intent behind that is what's going to make it more useful as a concept that then transfers over to the deadlift in all manners, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of these things as well that, you know, people will set as, as a benchmark that's, again, it's a byproduct and it's actually a really, really, really minuscule byproduct. Mm -hmm. And if you set that as a benchmark, you're going to sacrifice the bigger rocks for the sake of satisfying this thing. It's like, yeah, the deadlift position looks like complete trash. They're failing reps that they shouldn't be failing. The, the, the deadlift is just shit, but they're pulling the slack out of the bar. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah. It's like bar path. It's like, yeah, the squat is absolute rubbish. You're completely arched up. Your knees are touching each other. Perfectly vertical bar path. But yeah, bar <laughs> path efficient. is going straight up and down. Hashtag efficiency. Must be efficient. Exactly. Yeah. So I talk about one of the big rocks <laughs> in deadlift being like tension and your application of tension rather than the idea of yeah cueing uh like parts of that system it's like how do you apply the concept to the position you're in as opposed to that one particular aspect of the cue or the movement itself mm. Mm -mm -mm. It's, it's it's interesting with deadlifts and I, I guess this does then segue into into cueing to some degree um 
Because like for, from a systems perspective, it's almost exactly the same as squats, as in like the way that power is derived and the, the path in which that power is transferred is the same. You derive the power from the muscles, the legs and hips, you transfer it through a rigid torso and into the bar. In a squat, the bar's on your back. In the deadlift, it's in your hand. It just goes through your arms, you know. But there's mm -hmm. still the the you know the system moving the bar is is ultimately the same. But you know, you never you never hear about pulling a squat. That sounds absolutely ridiculous, of course. Like from a mechanical perspective, it sounds ridiculous as well. Um, and the reason why those similar breakdowns don't happen as frequently is because of the eccentric portion. Is because yeah. of the way that we travel down. And so when it come when it comes to cueing the deadlift most of the um most of the emphasis should be on how how do we get the entire system to work together so it does mimic what we do in a squat how do we get the person to be thinking about pushing the floor away like they're doing a squat how do we get them to be holding onto their brace keeping their upper back rigid and not trying to pull on the bar or do a good morning or anything like that you know and if we can figure that out the, the deadlift becomes such an organic nice feeling movement but it yeah, feels yeah. so different to how you normally learn it, which is just grab the bar and pull. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the The idea of pushing is something that I think is really understated. Like, I think it's better now than it has been in the past because for decades it was like grip and rip. It's It was pull everything off the floor. I'm going to pull deadlifts. Like, it's just part of the vernacular, right? Uh -huh. But like you said, it's actually far more closely related to how you would squat. I always use the idea of like leg pressing the floor away from you because that's one that pretty much everyone who's been into a gym at some point has sat on some form of a leg press. Hmm. Uh, and talking about it as like a, a push and then a pull is the way I often sort of describe it, like push the floor away, pull the bar into your hips is one that I've used in the past with some success, which then helps me talk to people who have come from like more CrossFit-esque backgrounds about the difference between the mechanics of a deadlift and a clean. Because in a clean, it's like a pull, push, pull mm. scenario as opposed to just push, then pull. Um, and being able to have a framework that helps people distinguish those move, movement patterns has been really useful. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's like... It's also a push with a sumo as well. Like I think people talk about sumos and conventionals being so different when in reality they're very, very similar for the most part, much like squats and deadlifts are very, very similar because it's all basically the same movement pattern. The nuance mm -hmm. is in position and stance width and things like that. But mm -hmm. as from a systems approach, I think it should all be pretty much the same. Yeah, the the irony is, and I mean, like, there is an element of truth to this, but the irony is, is that most people wouldn't teach uh, a squat differently if the person was very narrow or very wide. They'd just look at it as a squat regardless. Yeah. Um, but, but people change the game when it comes to sumo versus conventional. And again, there there is an element of truth there. I think there is um, a slightly different skill component involved in doing sumo. But a big part of that is just because most people start doing sumo with, before they should be able to do sumo. Yep. As in, like, they don't have the prerequisite movement requirements to get in the bottom position. So they develop strength in this funky-ass position that needs a lot of detraining uh, or retraining. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's just a slightly a slightly different beast. I love the way that you said, um, you know, push the floor away like a leg press and likened it to a leg press. I do the same thing. And when I talk about cueing in general to people, any cue that's, like, slightly foreign or slightly different or doesn't, like, completely compute or may not completely compute, if we can relate it to something that is so familiar, it just clicks mm. for most people straight away. Because pushing the floor away is a weird thing. Yeah. It's it's like when people tell you to do a push-up and say push the world away. Like, that is a weird thing to think about. 
because you're not doing that you're pushing yourself up um, and you're not pushing the world away you're just trying to use your legs and so it's like you can say push down into the floor like you're doing a leg press it makes a shitload more sense yeah um and again like it's it's so funny how overcued the movement of the deadlift becomes because we look at it compared to a squat like when someone's squatting up you don't have to say hey push from the bottom and then while you're coming up do this with your hips and then while you're coming up do this with your back and all that you just say you don't have to say any of that it's like set yourself go down and up <laughs> and so if we can get people to learn how to lock their brace in, lock their shoulders in use their legs the rest of it becomes so natural that makes your job as a coach so much easier if you can figure out the loading in and the bottom position the deadlift should be such a natural easy movement yeah conventional certainly because it's yeah it's so and it's it's the way i explain it to everyone it's why i often like we start with generally in like the sequence of coaching that i will do with someone in person is to start with squatting stuff because for the most part that's the one where a lot of the fundamental ideas that i talk about in like how we move relative to gravity and those sort of things are relevant and then we can take those lessons and pass them across mm. It's less complex from a precision requirement than like a powerlifting bench press, which is where we go to next. And then I'll go to deadlifts because that's the one that I find for most people. It's like, hey, show me how you deadlift. Cool. Just like push instead of pulling. And they're like, yeah. oh, cool. Great. I get it. Like, yeah. yep, cool. Because even if you've never really lifted weights before, you've been bending over to pick shit up off the ground your whole life. Mm -hmm. Like it is a far more natural movement pattern for most people just from a frequency of exposure across a lifetime standpoint that allows it to be much more simple but i think because we're all powerlifters who love the idea of fucking cueing the shit out of everything <laughs> we just take what is a really incredibly simple and fairly standard movement pattern and we butcher it completely yeah. because we just like coaches want to make themselves feel important about what they're doing by shouting a hundred fucking cues at someone mm. the shoulders thing is one that i think gets butchered a lot like people have this real drastic misinterpretation of what they should be doing with their shoulders to the point where seeing someone like actually retracting and like upwardly rotating their shoulder blades thinking they're getting their shoulders really tight thinking it's a really good thing and then you get them to the top of a deadlift and say hey just like relax your arms be normal yeah and they go oh there's like an inch and a half of extra range there like i don't know what happened like yeah because you're just trying to fucking pull the whole thing with your shoulders yeah uh so yeah i how do you approach that scenario the shoulders like, thing yeah oh the, i mean like the so my cues for the i call them rules so all of my lifts have three rules and all three rules are the same thing so like rule number one where's the power come from muscles legs and hips that's cued by pushing the floor away. Rule number two, breathing and bracing. Rule number three is upper back. And in deadlifts, it's a little bit trickier to deliver a base cue because so much of what happens at the upper back is influenced by how the person sets up. Mm. And the deadlift setup is probably one of the most individualized aspects of the cueing that I would use in coaching. Just because, like you said, so much of it is like fix what you see in front of you, which is based on whatever, you know, poor movements that people have. But the end goal for me is we want anti-protraction of the shoulders so we're not trying to retract the shoulders we just don't want them to pull forward we want yep. anti-flexion of the thoracic so we don't want to extend the thoracic we just want it neutral and locked in and we want scapular depression yep. um, and so like normally i'm just cueing something as simple as pull your shoulders down towards your waist or you yep. know tuck a book under your arms or something super 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 simple 
Um, coming back to what you you were saying uh, about like recognizing again that that sumo is a slightly different beast, where it becomes really different. Like I use that example of the squat, you wouldn't necessarily coach a wide stance, close stance squat differently. Where it becomes really different for deadlift is again that absence of the eccentric. And the hmm. absolute most difficult thing about a sumo is understanding what the bottom position feels like, because most people in most lifts are gonna gravitate towards comfort, and comfort equates to looseness. And the sumo deadlift bottom position is one of the most uncomfortable positions to be in. That and bench charging. Mm, so, uh, um, I, I actually use a I use the same drill to teach the deadlift the the sumo deadlift bottom position um, to assess whether someone's got the prerequisite stability and uh, strength to get into the deadlift bottom position, and also to just start to scale it up strength wise, which is a reverse deadlift. So they just do a deadlift from the top down, load into the bottom position, yep. like controlling a sumo from the top down engaging everything in the way that you're going to be queuing it at, at the bottom um, is a real good way to fast track whether or not you can get down there in the right position and if you can what it feels like so you can create that in your setup because it's so hard to emulate whereas a conventional it's so natural it's so easy yeah. and it's so easy to mimic you watch someone else do it and you can just do it whereas a yeah. bench and a squat it's it's a little bit harder to just mimic yeah yeah for sure i i use exactly the same approach with sumo i really like that that constant tension idea that i know we touched on last time and being able to actually teach it from the top down like starting on a moderately high block so that people are not limited by their actual mobility and are in a position where they can find a good spot and they don't have to move through a big range of motion where all these other uh, compromises will start to come up and then you can just gradually bring that down over a period of time. I think far too many people go, oh, I'm going to start sumo deadlifting and just fucking put their feet outside their hands and start lifting it and completely neglect the skill element that is so important in a sumo deadlift. Like we spend all this time nuancing the fuck out of squat and bench and deadlift skill and then everyone's just like oh just fucking pull some sumos just fucking put <laughs> feet out here just fucking grab it here and they're away and you just end up looking at them going like what the fuck are you doing with your time treat it like every other skill and for the most part that's what i say to people it's like hey if you want to learn it let's like learn the skill but for the first couple of cycles, we're probably not going to prioritize it in any significant form in your deadlift training because it's just not a strength element. We're just mm -hmm. going to practice a skill, give you some drills to work on. Sure, those drills are going to involve some like 75 to 85% lifts, but that's from a technical standpoint, not just from a straight weight 1RM standpoint. And uh, it's way more about that execution than it is about just fucking stacking a ton of weight on the bar and making yourself look like a dickhead. Mm absolutely absolutely and if if you switch to sumo and straight away it feels better normally that just tells the story of okay your conventional needs a lot of work yeah uh, because yeah. It, because it is such a complex skill the chances of you just taking your legs out wider and nailing it are slim to none yeah <laughs> and so many people just end up doing like they're what they do in that scenario is put their feet outside their hands pull a really wide stance conventional deadlift and it feels better because their conventional deadlift sucks yeah exactly exactly yeah. um now what, what what where do you if you were asked the question is rounding your back in a deadlift bad what would you say i mean lots of things can be bad in the right context i just uh, want to hear a yes or no <laughs> no asterisks oh <laughs> because oh. um, you didn't say I couldn't use asterisks. Damn. Uh, I'm going to say yes, but I'll, I'll explain my answer after you explain yours. I'd say it is bad. 
And I 100% agree, context is everything here. Yeah, so I think firstly it comes down to how you word the question. Is rounding your back while deadlifting a good thing? No. Is having a rounded back while deadlifting okay like or a bad thing? I think no. I think it, it can be something that can be done in a way that can be safe and reasonably strong for a lot of people. But I think people like fucking Constantine Constanovus or however you pronounce his last name, RIP, pull one out for the homie, uh, become this like guiding light for people that have really fucking horrendous control of their spinal position. And, <laughs> and that's where it becomes a problem. Like that's my asterisk yep. is there's a difference between a, having a rounded, like a slightly flexed thoracic position that allows you extra range on your deadlift and rounding your back like a dickhead because you have no concept of spinal stability yep 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 all right well i'm going to explain why i said yes it is a bad thing okay um and so again it comes back to the context which is what is bad and when people are talking about this and arguing about it on the internet almost always they're talking about it in the context of injury and then they go down this rabbit hole of like a moment versus a movement interflection and they start, you know, talking about the articles and going back and forth and blah, 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 blah. I don't give a fuck about injury. Yeah, I also think it's way outside the scope of things that people like us should be talking about. Absolutely. I don't, I don't give a fuck. My goal with a powerlifter is to get them as strong as possible. The byproduct of being in the best position possible to lift the most weight is probably that you're loading up the structures that should be loading up, which is probably going to minimize injury risk. So unless the person is already injured, the concept of injury is less of a concern because I'm focusing on the concept of strength. For me to absolutely express the most strength possible, it means being in the best position possible. And so like I'm thinking about it in terms of power production and transfer. And I'm also thinking about this from my position, which is a powerlifting coach. Yes. Powerlifting coach addresses three lifts. Tell me what KK's best bench was. Yeah, I have no idea. How many people speak about his bench? How many people yeah, speak no about that? Because he was his, a deadlifting god. His, and that, was, that was all people cared about. The exactly. biomechanical advantage of being kyphotic naturally is an automatic disadvantage for squat and bench press. Mm. There is nothing, no such thing as a deadlift specialist in the sport of th powerlifting as a three lift. There's only shitty powerlifters. That's that's it, true, through and through. There are great that's the, deadlifters. That's the quote we should get on a t-shirt. That should yeah. be the first peak speak t-shirt. There's there's not a bench specialist. There's shitty powerlifters. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, and so like my the answer to my question is coming. <laughs> you're not a bench specialist. You just suck at powerlifting. That's yeah, such a good shirt. Um, exactly. Sam, um, media guy, make some <laughs> shirts for us. So my context is coming purely from the position of strength, uh, strength relating to my idea of the gold standard. Any coach who says that they don't have a gold standard is a liar. You do. Mm -hmm. You're always moving. Your, you can make a post about like, oh, technique's different and fluid and blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. You have a gold <laughs> standard and you're moving your lifters towards that gold standard. Don't tell me you don't. Maybe your gold standard has ranges. Yes. Maybe the range in that yes. gold standard in includes some rounding in the back. For me, it doesn't because that allows inconsistency in my coaching. I'm working to, towards moving people in one direction, which I believe is the strongest. That's what I, what I believe my responsibility is as their coach. Yeah, so that's sure, my answer man. to the question. And I and I, look, I completely agree with all of it. Like that's the thing is it's it basically mimics my thoughts. I'm just a little bit less anally retentive about it because 
of the, the the audience that I speak to for the vast majority of my coaching, right? Like I speak to powerlifters, yes, but also have people who are less concerned about their powerlifting total than they are about just like being strong and fit and healthy. And yeah. so in that scenario, it doesn't fucking matter. Like as long as it's not heinous and you're not in a position that is like drastically affecting it. But for the, for the most part, there are bigger fish to fry. And I think that's mm. the thing that people get caught up on is like with pulling the slack out of the bar, like with all kinds of other, you know, the shoulder position, like these little things that neglect the really big pieces or are overlooking the really big pieces in favor of nuance and fucking minutiae about foot angle and shit like that, that leaves you lacking because you're not picking the low-hanging fruit of like mm -hmm. actually learning how to brace properly and be able to initiate properly and all of those skills that build the foundation that then allow you the freedom to explore these other positions and mm -hmm. these other parts of the movement in a way that's more precise. And so I should I should add a disclaimer to the end of this that what I just said doesn't mean if I have a lifter that's rounding their back when they're deadlifting I, like they do three reps and the third rep is more rounded than the first I say stop don't do a fourth like, yeah. fuck no do the set that's how you're going to get stronger yeah. it's like what I'm working towards is the gold standard yeah, and yeah. anything that is not the gold standard requires more work and therefore if the question is is it good or bad if it's not the gold standard it's bad. It doesn't mean that it's unacceptable that yes. you can't fuck. I round my back when I deadlift when I get tired. I'm yeah. probably round my back on all my deadlifts. I don't know. I can't watch it from the side. I don't have a camera. I can't film it. Don't be stupid. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And look, that's the it's the problem with this discussion is it's so often taken from like a snapshot at the end of a set like oh man that person rounds their back like their coach must be an idiot <laughs> no because you don't understand the context in which these things are being presented yeah you know, like i have one athlete in particular who has a huge deadlift and a fucking terribly rounded back that i constantly harass him about <laughs> in a way that we are continuing to develop and it's much better now than it was six months ago, mm -hmm. but he's also deadlifting more weight. Like at 95%, I don't fucking care what it looks like. Exactly. I just want him to execute it. But it's all the aspects of exercise selection and loading and all of these things that allow us to develop that skill so that ultimately we can take the skill and transfer it into the expression, which is 90 plus percent singles. Because uh -huh. that's what the fucking sport is. And at 90 plus percent, you don't have the option. Like, no, exactly try, try your best but your body's already made up its mind Forget yeah yeah 100% you are along for the ride when it comes <laughs> to that and that's why skill development in aspects outside of the lift itself I think is really beneficial because it helps you understand those feelings and and uh, parts of the whole that then allow you to take that knowledge into developing it at the percentages that actually matters absolutely I think that is a fantastic way to close things off. I tend to agree. All right. That's, that's, is that all of our deadlifting series? Are we done with a series on deadlifts now? Unless anyone has any questions. Yeah, hit us up. Maybe we do a deadlift Q&A. Damn. I don't know. Okay. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. the, that means we have to bother to do a Q&A. Sam, you heard us. Do it on the Peak Speak thing. Fuck. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>